السلام عليكم ورحمة الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار Inshallah, I just want to give a brief, a small brief word, inshallah ta'ala, as we wait for our brother Abu, Abu Idris to arrive. So maybe for the next 20, 25 minutes or so, I uh, just want to go through the opening part of a small treatise by Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, which is called Tafsir Kalimat al-Tawheed. Tafsir Kalimat al-Tawheed. An explanation an explanation of the kalima, the word of Tawheed. The Shaykh begins and he explains the meaning of La ilaha illallah. He was asked, what is the meaning of La ilaha illallah? This expression on account of which a person enters into Islam. What is its meaning? So then he begins by saying, I'lam rahimakallah ta'ala anna hadhi al-kalima هي الفارقة بين الكفر والإسلام وهي كلمة التقوى وهي العروة الوثقى وهي التي جعلها إبراهيم عليه السلام باقية في عقبه لعلهم يرجعون So he begins by saying that you should know me Allah have mercy upon you that this kalima this word this utterance that we make which is لا إله إلا الله it is that which distinguishes, which separates between kufr and Islam. Between kufr and Islam. And it is the most, it is the word of taqwa. It is the word of taqwa. And it is the strongest handhold. The strongest handhold. And it is that which Ibrahim salam, he left amongst his offspring in order that they may return back to it. So here we see that Shaykh al-Islam, he has mentioned three or four different names or titles which are given to describe this kalima, this word of La ilaha illallah. And this word, this kalima La ilaha illallah, in its meaning, it is a great and mighty meaning. It is light on the tongue, as Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan mentions here in his commentary. He says, it is light on the tongue for a person to say, La ilaha illallah. But it is mighty on the scales. And the reason is because that this expression that we make, it encompasses the reality of Islam. The Sheikh says, this word, however, isn't something that we just merely repeat. Like we see many Muslims, they just repeat the word La ilaha illallah. They don't really understand its meaning. So this word of La ilaha illallah, there are four things that every Muslim should know and understand in, in relation to this kalima. The first is, he knows its meaning. What is its ma'na? What is its ma'na? The second thing is, what is its muqtada? Muqtada. Muqtada means that once a person has understood the meaning of what he is saying, when he says, La ilaha illallah, then there is a consequence from that. There is something now required from him in his speech, in his behavior, which is necessary from him making that kalima. This is what we mean by the muqtada. Thirdly, there are the Pillars, the arkan. This kalima has pillars. There are two pillars of this kalima. La ilaha illallah. And fourthly, there are the shurut. There are the conditions. And there are seven conditions for this kalima. So, 
Whenever you wish to explain the kalima to anybody, to a non-Muslim, to a Christian, to a Jew, when they ask you to explain what, what is your deen, what is the foundation of your deen, then this is how you would explain the kalima. It has a meaning. What is this meaning? It has a requirement, a necessity. What is that necessity? It has pillars. There are two pillars. What are those pillars? And there are conditions. There are seven conditions. So from this we understand that the kalima isn't something that is just merely expressed and uttered with the tongue. Rather, it is something which is a lot more than that. It is a meaning, a requirement, pillars and conditions. Now, as we've heard from the statement of Shaykh al-Islam, this kalima has been given certain titles and descriptions. From them is kalimatul ikhlas. Kalimatul ikhlas. Ikhlas meaning the word of purity, the word of purification. Why is it called ikhlas? Can anybody tell me what is the reason why it's referred to as al-ikhlas, kalimatul ikhlas? That's part of the, the meaning, but not the exact uh, phrase. Why is this called Kalimatul Ikhlas? La ilaha illallah. Why is it called Kalimatul Ikhlas? Sorry? That's right, but it's not the right wording. Oh, I need the right wording. No. It's correct, but again, the wording, the specific wording that has to, has to be used. The word, the word ikhlas, to give you uh, uh, an understanding of the meaning, it's like when you have the honey, and the honey has impurities, and you separate the impurities from the honey. Right? So when you say kalimatul ikhlas, Almost there. Come on. That's the answer right there, yes. When we say kalimatul ikhlas, ikhlas meaning purification, what are we purifying from? We are purifying our belief, our speech, our action from shirk. From shirk. This is why it is called kalimatul ikhlas. And that's why suratul ikhlas, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Allah samad lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakun lahu kufuwan ahad we are negating things from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the one the unique and then we deny from him that he begets or is begotten and then there is no equal unto him this is why the surah is called kalimatul the suratul ikhlas so it is called kalimatul ikhlas because it negates shirk with Allah Azza wa Jal and it affirms ibadah, worship for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in other words, it is ikhlasul tawheed. It is ikhlasul ibadah and it is avoidance of shirk with Allah Azza wa Jal. So this is the first thing that describes this kalima that we repeat every single day. The second description mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam here is kalimatul taqwa. Kalimatul Taqwa. And we see in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions regarding the messenger and the believers. He says, first part of the verse, that when the disbelievers, when they fill their hearts with the zealousness and the zealotry of the days of ignorance, Allah says, فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَى رَسُولِهِ وَعَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَأَلْزَمَهُمْ كَلِمَةَ Taqwa. وَأَلْزَمَهُمْ كَلِمَةَ التَّقْوَىٰ وَكَانُوا أَحَقَّ بِهَا وَأَحْلَهَا وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمًا So Allah says that Allah revealed his the sakina, the tranquility upon the messenger and the believers and he made them bind to the word of taqwa kalimatul taqwa kalimatul taqwa and they were more worthy of this, of this word and of being from its people and Allah is knowing, is uh, knowledgeable of every single thing, all-knowing of every single thing. Now, why has it been called Kalimatul Taqwa? 
There are two reasons. There are two reasons why La ilaha illallah has been called Kalimatul Taqwa. Does anybody want to try and tell me what are the two reasons? What's the first reason? What does the word Taqwa mean? Taqwa. Hey? Huh? Okay, that's that's in the right direction. So if if taqwa refers to obedience to Allah subhanahu wa taala, so what what does the word taqwa represent? That's correct. Yes, that's correct. The word the word taqwa. The word taqwa refers to it because it means doing what Allah commanded and keeping away from what he prohibited, then the word taqwa refers to all of the actions of goodness that a person can do. This is the one, this is the first meaning. But the second one, why is it called, why is it called kalimatul taqwa? Anybody want to offer any suggestions? What is the second? Eh? That's in the right direction. What happens if you fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Huh? What is the eventual consequence? What's the end result? Huh? Which is another way of saying, yeah, but it's not, not Jannah. Something more important that comes before that, which is? Huh? You're almost there. No, no. No. Do you want me to tell you or do you want to keep going? Huh? You give up? Surrender? Okay, it's called Kalimatul Taqwa because it saves a person from the fire. It saves a person from the fire. Just because you go to paradise does not mean that you will not enter hellfire first. Because there are from the Muslims who's, who will enter the fire first because of their sins and disobedience. And then thereafter they will enter into a paradise. So this kalimatul uh, la ilaha illallah, when a person understands its meaning and he acts upon what it requires from him, then inshallah ta'ala he will not enter the, into the hellfire. It will save him from remaining eternally in the hellfire as a minimum. And then it will save him, inshallah ta'ala, from, for, for many of the Muslimin, for some of the Muslimin, they will not enter the hellfire to begin with. Right? So it is called Kalimatul Taqwa because it saves a man from the fire, from remaining eternally in the fire, and because it is something that requires the actions of goodness from a person, the A'malul Birr. Now it's also been called, the third title mentioned here by Shaykh al-Islam is Al-Urwatul Wuthqa. Al-Urwatul Wuthqa. Which means the strongest handhold. The strongest handhold. What is the proof for this in the Quran? The proof, uh, the first verse I mentioned by the way, Surah Al-Fatih, Surah 48, verse number 26. The proof that is, it is Kalimatul Taqwa. 48, 48, verse number 26. And as for Kalimatul Ikhlas, you can use Suratul Ikhlas as a proof for that. And as for Al Urwatul Wuthqa, it is the, the verse in Suratul Baqarah, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This is right after Ayatul Kursi. Allah says, فَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِالطَّاغُوتِ وَيُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ إِسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُثْقَى Whoever believes, Whoever disbelieves in At-Taghut. At-Taghut is the false deity. That which is worshipped besides Allah in falsehood. This is Taghut. It is a word to represent everything that is worshipped in falsehood and in vain. So whoever disbelieves in everything that is falsely worshipped. وَيُؤْمِن billah, And who believes in Allah. Meaning that he believes that Allah only has the right to be worshipped. Then he has held on to the firmest, strongest handhold. That this is a handhold that will never break. 
And Allah is all hearing and all knowing. So really what we have in this ayah is the meaning of the kalimah. The meaning of the kalimah. Because la ilaha illallah is the same as saying what we see in the ayah, فَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ He denies and rejects all of the deities, وَيُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ And he singles out Allah, believes in Allah, in his right to be worshipped alone. So we see that we have an, a third name now, Al-Urwatu Al-Wuthqa, because by making this kalima, a person has a firm handhold with Allah, to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we see the fourth that was mentioned right at the beginning. He said, Al-Fariqatu, Al-Fariqatu, Bayn Al-Kufr, Wal-Islam. That which distinguishes between Kufr and Islam. And so this is the, the fourth title that the Shaykh mentioned. So from all of this discussion, what we understand then is this kalima of La ilaha illallah. It is a mighty kalima, mighty on the scales. But it is mighty only in terms of its meaning. So to the extent that a Muslim understands its, the, the meaning and he implements this meaning in his life, to that extent will it be of value to him? And will it be weighty for him on Yawm Al-Qiyamah? And we see many people, they recite this kalima, you see many of the Sufis, and all they do is just recite the kalima. They will have sittings in which they sit a thousand times, two thousand times, three thousand times, they will sit and repeat it in the morning, in the evening, and at the same time you see them acting in opposition to what they are saying. So they will be calling upon the dead. They will be uh, seeking rescue and help from the dead. Asking for offspring from the dead. Asking for healing and cure from the dead. And they do things which, which contradict and invalidate what they are saying with their tongues. And so even if they say it a thousand times, then we will not benefit them with anything. And the shaykh continues and he says, that there's another group from the Sufis. There is another group from the Sufis. And before we discuss the second group of the Sufis, uh, if there's a Nissan Almira, which is blocking the road, P8630UM. Nissan Almira, blocking the road, P8630UM. Please uh, move it into the car park because it's blocking the, the road. So, the second group of Sufis, they also recite the kalima. And, in fact, they don't recite the kalima, they actually shorten the kalima. So, instead of saying, La ilaha illallah, they say Allah. So, they sit in a room, and they don't even say the full kalima. They say Allah, Allah, Allah. And this really is not beneficial, because what is beneficial is that you declare your belief that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. This is the meaning of the kalima. This is why Allah sent the messengers. This is what Ibrahim called his people to. This is what Nuh al-Islam called his people to. This is what every single messenger came and he said, مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ غَيْرُهُ Worship Allah, you have no other deity besides him. This is what every messenger came and this is what he said. But as for you sitting in a room, closing, switching the lights off, and just saying Allah, 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 thousand times, two thousand times, and becoming into a, you know, uh, becoming intoxicated into a fit of ecstasy, and when you believe that you will receive sudden revelation and become enlightened, all of this, this is batil, this is false, this does not benefit in anything. And in fact, some of them go even further than this. They even short it even further. They don't, they don't say Allah, they say who? Who? Huwa, meaning huwa. Huwa, 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 huwa. And then they shorten it even further and then say who? 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 And so all of this is really shaitan coming to these people and deceiving them and tricking them and misguiding them and making them attached just to the wording and neglecting and forgetting the actual meaning. Because the meaning is where the weight and the strength lies in this kalima. In fact, even those to whom this kalima was brought from the mushrikeen of Mecca, they were more knowledgeable of the meaning of this kalima than many of the people 
who are present today who try to who profess this kalima because they understood what it meant and what it required from them in their ibadah in their deen and that's why they rejected it because they understood it so all of this is a type of talaqub it's a type of playing and fooling around which shaitan has comes and he does with the people to make them you know uh, turn away from this at the same time we see that even ourselves as muslims uh, sometimes a person he doesn't say this kalima often even people the people of tawhid we should repeat this kalima often because we see there are many afkar many uh, 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 remembrances that the messenger of allah sallam used to do after the salah and in the morning and in the evening la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahu almulku wa lahu alhamdu wa lahu alhamdu yuhyi wa yumit wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir are these things that the messenger would repeat sometimes 10 times after the salah sometimes in the morning sometimes in the evening all of this is a repetition of the kalima that we often neglect in our day to day ibadah because it it brings the meaning of the kalima into our minds we think about it we reflect it we reflect upon it and so all of this is something that we should understand we see in a narration that if this word kalima was to be placed upon the scales on one side and then it was and then the heavens and the earth and whatever's between them is placed on the other side then the kalima would be weightier this is the weight behind this kalima in its meaning so after this the shaykh goes on to explain walaysa al-murad وليس المراد it is not what is not intended is merely just to say it with the tongue whilst being ignorant of its meaning we see there is another understanding or another false understanding in relation to this kalima which is that some people say and they have a name they are called the murji'a the murji'a they are the ones who say actions are not from iman actions are not from iman and they say that you can speak with the kalima la ilaha illallah you can believe what it means but acting upon it and performing the righteous deeds and keeping away from the acts of disobedience all of this doesn't really matter and you will enter paradise anyway because you have expressed this word and you understood its meaning and this person might not be someone who prays he might not fast he might not even make hajj and he will do every act of disobedience from fornication and stealing and drinking intoxicants and do whatever he wishes of the acts of disobedience and leave all of the acts of obedience they say it is sufficient for him the la ilaha illallah will save him and the actions don't really matter and so this really is another type of deviation because the kalima la ilaha illallah it has necessities it requires and demands something in your speech in your actions because it is a proof of your truthfulness and that's why we see that the scholars they give an example and a parable like we see sheikh al islam ibn taymiyah he mentions the verse in the quran in surah ibrahim in which allah mentions the goodly tree Allah gives the example of the kalima kalimatan tayyibah the goodly word it is like a tree whose roots are firmly planted and its branches reach out to the to to, to the sky and so Sheikh Islam Taimi he mentions this verse in his uh, uh, Kitabul Iman in the 7th volume of Majmul Fatawa and then he says that this is like the parable of of, of faith And when we look at this parable he says it's like a plant. When we look at this parable and we just take a plant for example, we see that we have a plant. When we look at a plant, there are two parts to the plant. The first part is what is beneath the soil. Beneath the soil what you cannot see. You don't see the roots. But the plant has roots, likewise a tree has roots that you do not see. And likewise above the ground you see the stem and you see the you know the branches and the the leaves and whatever else and often you see the fruits with it as well now if you think about all of the influences that are that are affecting this plant there is the soil from which nutrients are coming through the roots 
then there is water from the soil which the roots are taking up towards the upper part of the plant. Right? So beneath what you can't see, there's nutrition, there's nutrients coming to the plant. And likewise, above the surface, the leaves, the leaves of the plant, the, the top half of the plant, it receives sunlight. It receives sunlight. And likewise, it receives water through the water vapor because the leaves can draw in water from that way as well. And likewise, there is the, uh, the, the oxygen. The plants take in oxygen as well. So whatever, whatever takes part on the top, it influences the roots at the bottom as well. It works, it works both ways. There's movement downwards and there's movement upwards as well. And whatever is in the soil of the nutrients and the, you know, the water, that goes upwards towards the plant as well. So you can see that it works both ways. This is how it is. And this is exactly the same parable of the faith of a believer. The faith of a believer. It is impossible for there to be faith in the heart and love and hope and fear and firm conviction and then there be nothing showing on the outside. This is impossible. It's just like if you had the roots of a plant, those roots by necessity, if they are receiving water and nutrition, the plant by necessity must come up. It will sprout and it will, sprout and it will come up and it will start growing. This is a rule, it's a necessity. So the point being that these people who claim and they say that you just say the La ilaha illallah, not required to show any deeds, do any deeds, avoid that which is haram, avoid acts of disobedience, bring the good deeds. You know, this, this is false. This is a false understanding of Iman. And it is just as false as if we were to say that, you know, the top part of a tree can exist without roots. Or the roots can be present without anything coming above the surface. It's impossible. We see that with, with hiss, with our sensory perception, it is impossible. So what gives, uh, what, what is the refutation of this claim as well? Because many of these people who try to argue in this way, is that they bring some statements from the Messenger of Allah and they shorten these statements. The Messenger said, they say that, who, the, they say that the Messenger said, Whoever says La ilaha illallah, he will enter paradise. This is what they bring. But these are incomplete narrations. Because the Messenger of Allah, he said, when we, look, when we go back to these narrations, he actually said, Man qala La ilaha illallah, wa kafara bima ubida min dunillah. Whoever says La ilaha illallah, and he rejects and disbelieves, in what is worship besides Allah. In another hadith we see, uh, in another uh, hadith we see, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ عَلَى النَّارِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يَبْتَغِي بِذَلِكَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ Allah has made haram unlawful upon the fire. Anyone who says La ilaha illallah, and then he qualified it, he explained after that, he said, and who seeks by that the face of Allah. The face of Allah. Once you make the kalima, you seek the face of Allah by doing the deeds which it requires from you. So he, the messenger, he qualified the declaration of this kalima. Likewise, we see in uh, other hadith, Man qala la ilaha illallah, mukhlisan, mukhlisan. Whoever said it sincerely. In another hadith we see, Khalisan min qalbihi Sincerely and purely from his heart And in another hadith we see another wording Sidqan min qalbihi Sidqan meaning truthfully from his heart All of these words Having ikhlas, being mukhlis, being khalis Having sidq Then it means that outwardly what you That what is in your heart It comes out, it shows outwardly In the acts of obedience And keeping away from the acts of disobedience so all of this is the kalima la ilaha illallah and it is not just a word which is said, rather it is a complete meaning and it has a requirement outwardly. This now moves us to the pillars of la ilaha illallah. Can anyone tell me the two pillars of la ilaha illallah? 
what are the two fundamental pillars upon which this kalima is based upon? Can't hear? You have to shout out. Alhamdulillah, yeah. The two pillars, the two arkan of uh, the kalima la ilaha illallah is that this kalima has a negation which is nafi and it has ithbat which is an affirmation. This is what you are, what, what you are doing. When you say La ilaha, you are making a general negation. You are saying, you are saying that there is nothing, nothing whatsoever which deserves to be worshipped, which has a right to be worshipped. Why is that? What is the reason? What is the reason? Yeah. What is the reason? Why why is there nothing worthy of worship being worshipped? Huh? Yeah. What is the reason in the Quran? What is the argument in the Quran? When we see the argument in the Quran against the mushrikeen in general and other factions and groups as well, what is the the argument in the Quran? That's that's one. That's one. To show the falsehood, what's the, what's the, other, the main argument? Yeah, that's the answer, yes. The answer is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unique in His actions of creating, providing, sustaining, giving life, taking life, guiding, misguiding, honoring, and humiliating. This is not in the control of anybody in the creation. And this is something that everybody knows. We, we can see from our fitrah, from our vision, using our reason, we can see that nobody, the sun is subject to laws. The moon is subject to laws. Mankind, they live, they die, they fall ill, they become sick, they're deficient. There's nothing that we see which has any of these actions. It is rather the one who is the creator of all of that, who is singled out in all of these things. Once we accept this and we all know this, we all know this from our fitrah, and we know this just from you know looking and reflecting, then there is a it follows naturally, it follows naturally from this that nothing should be worshipped because it is futile to worship that thing. To worship a tree is futile. To worship the sun is futile. To worship a human being is futile, dead or alive. To worship an animal. To worship the, the you know the, 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 the planets and the stars, the angels and the jinn. All of this everybody knows is completely futile. This is something that we that we know by fitrah. It is something that Allah has already placed in our souls when we are born. And then Allah sends the messengers to corroborate and to establish and to confirm this fitrah that we already know. And so this is why when we say La ilaha, there is none which has the right to be worshipped, it is, it is because nothing besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has power or control over even an atom's weight in the heavens and the earth. Nor over any power or harm. Nothing has any power over control, uh, 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 over harm or good. And likewise, no control over sustenance, rizq. No one controls your rizq but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from all of these considerations, it is futile for anything besides Him to be worshipped. So, we make a negation, a nafi, la ilaha, and then we make the ithbat, illallah, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this means that Allah has negated the right to be worshipped, from everything and everything besides him, even the greatest of the people, even Muhammad does not deserve to be worshipped. Even the nearest angels do not deserve to be worshipped. Even the righteous people and the prophets do not deserve to be worshipped. And from this you now start to see the reason why when the messengers came and they made this kalima, like we see the Prophet Muhammad and he expressed this kalima, these, those people understood they knew what it required from them. It would mean they have to abandon their gods. It would mean it would, it would, they would have to abandon whatever status and wealth and position 
they had developed in the society due to this false religion that they had been upon. There was a lot of sacrifice to be made and they couldn't let go. So for the sake of maintaining their wealth or their honor or their respect in their society, they did not submit to this kalima in their actions even though they knew it was the truth in their belief. They knew it was the truth in their belief. And so these are the two pillars, these are the two conditions of La ilaha illallah, which is none has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone in truth. Bihaq. Now to complete our short lesson, we want to give five incorrect understandings of this kalima. So now we understand what is the meaning of the, the kalima, La ilaha illallah. None has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone, which means the ibadah, everything which is ibadah, from love and fear and hope, making dua, making isti'ana, seeking for help, making istighatha, seeking rescue, having tawakkul, relying upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these are actions of worship that are only due for Allah alone. This is the meaning of the kalima. Now there are five, five false explanations of the kalima. So anybody want to tell me the first one? Okay, bang on. The first one, the first false explanation of the kalima is that they say there is none worshipped but Allah. Now pay attention. La ma'bud illallah. La ma'bud illallah. There is none worshipped but Allah. Why is this wrong? Why is this wrong? Yes? Anybody else want to contribute? Yeah. Because it means that whatever is worshipped is Allah. It means everything being worshipped is Allah. So that which the Christian worships is Allah. That which the Jew worships is Allah. Anything which is worshipped, it is Allah. This is, this is false. La ma'bud illallah. This is false. And... This actually is the understanding of the Sufis, the extreme Sufis, because they believe in Wahdatul Wujud. They believe that everything in existence is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is their Tawheed. What is their Tawheed? Their Tawheed is like this. They say, Allah is one. And all of existence is one. And everything in existence is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So meaning that you and I, we are all from the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the belief of the extreme Sufis. This is called Wahdatul Wujud. And then they say, they say that if you separate this existence, if you say that this existence is two, there is Allah the Creator, and there is the creation, now you've divided existence into two. You've separated into two, they say this is shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They say this is shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because you have now made existence into two existences. Whereas Allah's existence is only one. This is what they say. This is their tawheed. This is their futile, batil tawheed. Right, so this is the saying of, of 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 the Sufis, and that's why when you look at these extreme Sufis, you will see that they validate and consider to be correct every single religion on the face of this earth, built upon this understanding. So therefore, what the Buddhist worships, no, nothing wrong with that. He's just worshiping Allah. What the what the idol worshiper worships when he prostrates to his idol. Nothing wrong with that. Because the idol is, is from the essence of Allah. When the prophets are worshipped, when Isa is worshipped, when the angels are worshipped, when the phenomenon are worshipped, the rain, the lightning, the thunder, the mountains, the stones, the trees, all of this is valid religion. It's all valid. Because everything in existence is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The paths are many. And that's why some of these people, some of these divine people like Ibn Arabi, Ibn Arabi, they used, to, they used to say in poetry, they used to like express their confusion. How confused I, I am. 
that you know I don't know whether I don't know who is the Lord is the Lord the one who is being worshipped or the one who's worshipping right so you understand the, the the confusion and some of them say there is nothing in the pocket except Allah right so the, this is from the ways of extreme Sufis so this ya ikhwan is a futile false understanding of the kalima la ilaha illallah and there are Sufis in the past, extreme Sufis, and they are present today who are upon this belief and upon this way of thinking. They will validate every religion and say it is true because it is built upon the premise that whatever is worshipped is Allah. La ma'bud illallah. This is batil. What is correct is la ma'bud bihaqqin illallah. There is no deity worshipped in truth except Allah alone. And as for that which is besides him, it is worshipped in batil, in falsehood. This then is the first kalima, the first false understanding of the kalima. The second false understanding of the kalima is what we find from the Ash'aris and the Maturidis. And they say that the meaning of the kalima is, there is none which has the power and ability to create except Allah. This is Tawheed, this is the kalima to them. That to make Allah unique in creating. Is this correct, Ya Ikhwan? Is this understanding of the kalima correct? Why is it not correct? What's the, what's the proof? Anybody else? Huh? Uh, okay, anybody else on to add? Yeah, okay. Few few answers all here all together with the same same meaning. The proof for this is that there is really no one from the whole of creation who actually denies that Allah is the creator. This wasn't a point of dispute. Right? There have been very, very few people in history who deny the fact that Allah is the creator, the sole creator. We see even those pagans to whom the Messenger Muhammad was sent we see them admitting in the Qur'an, Allah says with respect to them, Allah says to the Messenger, say to these people, قُلْ مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Say to these people, who sustains you from the heavens and the earth? Who gives you food from the heavens and the earth? أَمَّنْ يَمْلِكُ السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبْصَارِ Who is the one who has power and control over the faculties of hearing and seeing? وَمَنْ يُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيِّتِ وَيُخْرِجُ الْمَيِّتَ مِنَ And who is the one who brings out the living from the dead and brings the dead from the living? وَمَنْ يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرُ And who regulates the affair of everything? فَسَيَقُولُونَ اللَّهِ They will surely say it is Allah. These are the ones to whom the Messenger Muhammad was sent. They believe in Allah's Rububiyyah. That he is the creator, provider, sustainer, giver of life, taker of life. They believe all of this. This shows that this was not the point of dispute. So to come along and say that La ilaha illallah means to believe that there is no creator besides Allah, this is actually a great deficiency in the understanding of Tawheed. It is actually undermining the very Tawheed that the messengers came to establish and to came to you know, guide the people to. But this is incorrect and the proof of that is abundant in the Qur'an and uh, it clashes with what we explained. There is none which has the right to be worshipped except Allah. The Christian believes Rububiyah is for Allah. The Jew believes Rububiyah is for Allah. There is no one really in the whole of history who has denied this uh, issue of Allah being the creator. Rather the issue was giving worship to others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third false meaning of kalima la ilaha illallah is what is claimed by the Jahmiyyah and the Mu'tazila. The Jahmiyyah and the Mu'tazila. They say that la ilaha illallah means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just a concept of one that you think of in your mind. He doesn't have any names. He doesn't have any attributes by which you know him. Because they say, if you give Allah names and attributes, you now, you've now multiplied the number of gods that you believe in. 
This is false and futile. So they say, for example, if you believe in Allah's existence, and then you say after this, that Allah is Ar-Rahman, He has mercy. Al-Alim, He has ilm. Al, uh, uh, Al-Malik, He is the king, who, or, the, or the owner who has mulk. He is Ar-Razzaq, He is As-Sami'ah, the one who He is. When you start giving these attributes and bringing Allah these names and attributes, you are committing shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because now you are bringing many meanings and multiple gods into, in, into your belief. Is this correct, ya ikhwan? Is this correct? Why, why, is, this in, why is this incorrect? Because Allah affirms it himself. Yeah. Allah has affirmed all of these names and attributes in the Quran and the Sunnah. And how can, we, how can we demonstrate this is false as well? How can we demonstrate this is false? MashaAllah, excellent. Bang on, yes. Because it is, as Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah says, that there is no thing in existence except that it must have multiple attributes. Multiple attributes. You can't, there's nothing in existence except that it, 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 it has more than one attribute. Let's take an example. We have a man called Abdullah. This is his name, Abdullah. And then we say that Abdullah is, we say Abdullah is Ra'uf. Abdullah is compassionate. Do we now have two Abdullahs? Do we have two Abdullahs or is there one Abdullah? One Abdullah. Not only is he Ra'uf, we also say that he is, uh, let's say his profession. Profession, he's a carpenter. We see Abdullah is a Najjar. A Najjar is a carpenter. And he's also Ra'uf. Do we now have three Abdullahs? Or is it just one Abdullah? With different attributes? Answer? One Abdullah. So, having multiple attributes does not mean having multiple essences. This is batil, this is false in reasoning. It is false in aql. Whereas what these people want you to believe, they want you to believe that the Tawheed of Allah, the Tawheed of Allah is just to have a concept of oneness in your mind, and that's it. Really what they are trying to say to you, or the, the, type, of, the type of ma'bud they want you to believe in, is something that can really only exist in the mind only. Because the mind can think of things which doesn't really have an existence in outward reality. Like you can start imagining things in your mind right now, but they, you know they don't exist in reality. So in a similar way, the Jahmi and the Mu'tazila, their Tawheed, their understanding of this Kalima is such that it means really Allah only exists in the mind of a person, not in external reality. And this is because that which separates from something existing and not existing is attributes. Every single existing thing, whether it be Allah, the uncreated, or the creation, the created, it must by necessity have attributes. Something you cannot escape from. So this shows that this third understanding of the kalima is batil, it is false. But there are people who call to this understanding, as we said, there are people who call to wahdatul wujud. This is what they call the Muslims too, this is the meaning of la ilaha illallah. And they draw them into their, you know, uh, their, 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 their web. And likewise, those who say that La ilaha illallah means there's no creator except Allah. Like we see the Jama'atul Tabligh in their books, this is what they focus on, Rububiyyah, nothing beyond that. And likewise, there are those who believe that Tawheed and the Kalima La, la ilaha illallah, it means to just simply believe Allah is just a meaning and a concept in the mind. He doesn't have any attributes and any names because that would you know, be, be shirk. Then we have a fourth understanding of, the, of Tawheed, which is the Tawheed, which is the people of politics and siyasa. The people of politics and siyasa, the Hizbiyeen and the Ikhwaniyeen. Those people who come and they say that the meaning of La ilaha illallah is that there is no ruler. La hakim illallah. There's no ruler besides Allah. And what they do is that they make the entire, or they, or they say that the, that the 
establishment of Tawheed can only be with the establishment of the Islamic government or the hudud, the laws that relate to the punishments and things of that nature. And then they make the whole of their da'wah, their call and their rectification based upon this flawed understanding of the Tawheed of the messengers. The Shaykh says that this is a deficient understanding of La ilaha illallah, rather La ilaha illallah comprises everything and all of the acts of worship, from the prayer, which is only for Allah, from sujood, which is only for Allah, from ruku, which is only for Allah, from sacrificing, which is only for Allah, from making an oath, which is only for Allah, and all of the various other individual actions of worship. And yes, to rule by what Allah has revealed, this is also from worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But to take this out, to isolate it, and to inflate it, and then to make it look as if the messengers only came for this reason, to topple the rules and establish the rule from top downwards, this is a distortion of the understanding of the kalima that the prophets and messengers came with. And finally, we come to the final understanding of La ilaha illallah, which is the correct understanding of La ilaha illallah, the meaning which is with Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, La ilaha illallah, meaning La ma'buda bihaqqin illallah. There is no deity worshipped in truth except Allah, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He alone is the truth, as Allah says in the Quran, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقَّ This is because Allah is the one who is the truth. وَأَنَّ مَا يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ هُوَ الْبَاطِلِ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْكَبِيرِ Allah is the truth, and what they invoke besides Allah is falsehood. And indeed Allah, He is Al-Ali, He is the Most High, and He is Al-Kabir. He is the most, the, the great, the most great. So with that, Ya Ikhwan, we can finish our, our kalima for today. This is just a brief reminder for ourselves, inshallah ta'ala, about this kalima, the weightiness of this kalima. It is something that saves a person from the fire. It is the word of ikhlas. It is the word of taqwa. It is the strongest handhold. It is what distinguishes kufr from iman. It has two pillars, two arkan. It has something, it, it has a muqtada, something which it requires from you in your behavior. And there are many false understandings, Ya Ikhwan. The false understanding of the Sufis, the false understanding of the people of Kalam, Ilmul Kalam, the false understanding of the Jahmiyyah, and the false understanding of the politicians. And so with that, uh, we conclude our short lesson today. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين إن شاء الله تعالى our brother أبو إدريس will be speaking sorry our brother our brother تقويم أبو معاذ إن شاء الله تعالى will be commencing his talk very shortly so if you want to have five minutes perhaps yeah five ten minutes just to relax a little إن شاء الله come straight back and we'll start promptly in fifteen minutes إن شاء الله تعالى